Hey there, Yuris here, and welcome to Community Life. He will talk with the amazing human from the community world about their life journeys and learn from each other. And today we have a conversation with Luke Zimmer, a community builder and consultant who wants to create a better world online, an avid gardener, a former haver of chickens, a beekeeper, and a great person you'd love to talk to. So hello, Luke. Hi, Yuri. Thanks for having me. Finally, as the first moment you joined between two workers, I was like, I like his energy. We have to talk. And then when I saw it on LinkedIn, I couldn't unsee it. And I really need the full story behind the chicken bowling. Okay. So um, I, I love chickens. Um, I don't have chickens right now, but I used to have chickens. Um, and it turned out that I was growing tomatoes. And they would, when the tomatoes were growing, the chickens would get into the garden. They would start eating the tomatoes. So I had to put a fence around it. Um, but eventually, by the end of the season, we had way too many tomatoes. So I started tossing some to the chickens. And we had about a dozen chickens. And there was one day that I, for some reason, I just skipped it along the ground. And all of the chickens went running after this thing. And I'll have to share a video with you afterward. Um, but that's chicken bowling. You essentially just throw tomatoes and the chickens go running after them. But I feel like bowling works another way, you know, because you throw a ball and then all those things are like they are getting in different places. Like they are not running <laughs> for the ball. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, definitely share a video, please. I would love to see that. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll do. Yeah, there's another version of chicken bowling that involves our dog, but that's like they're all gathered around eating and then the dog runs at them and then they scatter in all of the different directions. So Ah, okay. So it looks like more uh, as, as chicken bowling. <laughs> Traditional you, you, bowling. You know, you know how to have fun with chickens. How 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 yeah. else do how else did you have fun with chickens? Um, so I actually, I raised them from chicks and mm. the best part of raising them was when they were really small and we would have to go down every day and we would pick them up and we would hold all of them to get them used to us. Um, and after we did that, anytime I would walk up to the chickens, they would all like flock to me like I was their mother. And it was the most amazing thing ever. It just made me feel so warm and cuddly. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's really fun. Why Why did you start having chickens? Um, that's a really good question. So I, um, during all of the pandemic stuff, I uh, moved to my parents' farm mm -hmm. um, so that we could be in a bubble. And uh, while we were there, I had all of the space for gardening and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to get some chickens. So got it. we got some chickens and yep. They now live with a friend of ours, um, so we we moved recently, so we couldn't bring them with us. But do you visit them from time to time? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I haven't visited them yet, but um, I should probably give our friend a call. We could talk to them on the phone, so I'm sure they'd love to hear from us. <laughs> very very insightful conversation for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who was first, chicken or bees? Uh, the chickens were first, um, and actually I started beekeeping, um, when we moved to Kalamazoo in Michigan, um, mm -hmm. which is in the Midwest in the U S. Um, 
And yeah, so we don't have nearly as much space here um, or we didn't have, we don't have the setup for the chickens. So um, being, I always want to learn something new about like gardening and farming and growing things. And there's a community college here in Kalamazoo. It's mm. called Kalamazoo Valley Community College. Um, and they do classes for the public. And one of them is a beekeeping class. Wow. So um, yeah, I took uh, their first one, which was virtual. Um, it was about this time last year that they that they did it. Um, and then they have two other classes that they do in person and they actually teach you how to handle the bees and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, I came away with that with my own queen bee. Um, wow. Her name is Bee Arthur. Um, I don't know if you know the Golden Girls, but B. Arthur is one of the actresses from the Golden Girls. So, yeah, we named we named the Queen B. Arthur, and she um, she is all wrapped up for the winter. So, w when you think about bees, it's actually the whole hive is, is, is a super organism, is what it's mm -hmm. called. So, the queen is essentially like the brain of the hive, wow. and then she's got wor workers that um, that essentially keep her alive during the winter time and the summertime. Um, and then the other part are the males, which this time of year, there are no male bees because they can't fly around and do their thing. So and what do you do? How do you keep bees in winter? So, uh, we, they live in what's called a, it's called a Langstroth box. Mm -hmm. So it's a wooden setup with slats in it. It's like, if you see, if you see yeah, people like yeah. pulling those up, that's a Langstroth box. Um, but in the winter time, we, Uh, we essentially cap it up. You put um, an extra box on top with like leaves and stuff in it. So it keeps mm -hmm. the hive warm. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can wrap it up with, uh, with some kind of insulation uh, usually. So. And basically But, you, don't, you don't have to touch them. Yes. They're on their own there during winter. Uh, for the most part. Um, yeah. In the winter time, you don't open up the box if you can help it because the bees have to stay at about 98 degrees, about the mm -hmm. same temperature as a human body. Um, so all of those worker bees have to keep that space warm enough inside. Um, so you don't want to open it up, but the, the exception is to actually feed the bees. So um, usually, actually, it's about this time of year that you will give them a, a block of sugar. Mm -hmm. um, you essentially make sugar, turn it into a hard block, and then you just slide it in there and they eat it. Um, but yeah. Got it. So chickens, bees, I'm curious, have you ever thought about similarities and differences between keeping bees and chickens? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it explicitly, but there are, it's, so keeping bees is a lot like keeping any other livestock um same with like chickens or if you had pigs or rabbits or anything like that um, and essentially the most important thing is keeping a clean space for them to spend most of their time mm -hmm. so and with the bees we've got the langstroth box like i mentioned um with the chickens you have to they have to have a coop that they live in um The biggest difference between the chickens and the bees in that regard, though, is that chickens are disgusting. They do not clean up after themselves. <laughs> um, so pardon my French, but they'll shit on everything and they don't care. <laughs> uh, the bees, though, are really, really clean. They actually wow. they take care of everything themselves. So um, you don't really have to do anything for bees except for um, make sure that they're fed in the summer or in the wintertime when mm -hmm. things are pretty bleak. 
but yeah. They're also, you also have to help them with certain diseases. Um, so there's a pest called a Varroa mite wow. um, that uh, that's actually the primary reason why honeybees are struggling right now in general um, is because the Varroa mite was brought over from, I think it was Europe or something like that. It And it ended up getting... Um, becoming endemic in the United States. And now it's the primary pest that affects honeybees and they actually dig in there and they suck their blood out and then it kills them wow. and then the, the entire hive can collapse. So, yeah. Still, still not, not the straight pest. You still have to <laughs> take care because at some point I was thinking like, okay, bees, bees just amazing. You don't have to do anything. Basically, you just have to feed them in winter and then just they do everything themselves and you just have fun. But no, you have to still protect them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other big thing with bees um, is you have to, uh, you have to watch out for the hive splitting. And so you have to know like where the hive is in its life cycle. Um, so in the summertime, the biggest thing that you're doing is actually just monitoring the bees and making sure that they're not creating a new queen. Mm. Uh, if they create a new queen, then they'll take half of all of your bees and they'll fly off into a tree somewhere and you'll lose a bunch of honey. So, Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Like, like in people, like, like in humans, you know, at some point you have one king or one queen and then somebody else try to, yeah, I, I totally, totally get it. <laughs> the fun thing that chickens are also like humans because some humans do not clean up for themselves. So. Yeah. And chickens definitely have like a hierarchy. And so you can like really see the relationships between the chickens and like which ones are like the weirdos and which ones are the ones that are like i'm the the, the essentially the plastics versus the weird theater kids you can see those dynamics in chickens it's a lot of fun by the way uh do bees know you yes yeah okay. wow that's a, that's a very insightful question they do know you and they can tell from your smell essentially mm. your own like pheromones and if you make them angry um they'll sting you and uh if you go back to that hive later on and they've stung you and they've gotten mad at you they'll remember that and so they'll immediately start attacking you when you go back later on so and then they pass those that knowledge from generation to generation um they're essentially wow. two life cycles or generations of bees there's summer bees and then they're the winter bees um, so all the bees that were in the hive over the summer are now dead. And um, there's a whole new crop of them that are only going to live in there in the wintertime. And then once the winter time's over, that crop of workers will die and there'll be a new set of summer bees. Um, so over those generations, those bees can essentially pass that knowledge along so that when you go back the next summer, even though it's a completely different set of bees, wow. they'll still remember you. Yeah. Better, better not make bees angry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, you know the fun thing that I've never thought that bees are so sensitive to pheromones and uh, to even uh, smells. And I saw some kind of video where they created, um, where they used bees for finding explosive. And I was like, yeah. oh wow! And in in this video, it was explained that it, they find explosive even better than dogs so they're super sensitive yeah 
Yeah, it's amazing. And essentially their entire body is a nose. They taste everything with their feet and with their antennas and stuff like that. So yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if they could pick up a bomb smell better than anything else. Have you read the book An Immense World? I haven't. Who's it by? Uh, it's by Ed Young. I feel like you would love it because it's exactly about different senses of animals. And uh, I'm halfway through this book, so I'm just I, I'm I'm already amazed. It Ella Ella Mirella and Younger once uh, shared this book with me. I'm how this book I'm already amazed, and I would love to discuss it with you after you you'll read it. So let's 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 agree on <laughs> discussing it. Will do. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll go to the library and I'll pick it up. Why did you call your consultant practice Scarifos? Yeah, so when I first started, um, it uh, I was primarily I was just doing it as like a side gig, and uh, I was doing mostly like graphic design and um, communication stuff, and um, yeah, so Scarifos is a Greek word for sketch. And mm -hmm. so that's where I picked it up. And at that point in time, I was like, I need to come up with something that feels like so original. And so I was like doing like searches after I found the word. And I was like, I'm going to Google this and see if there are any other companies that have this name or anything like that. I was like, there, nobody else had it. I was like, okay, that must mean I'm a genius. Um, so I, <laughs> I picked it up. Um, and yeah, actually now I was just uh, talking to... Um, Oh, what's her name? Um, I just met her. She owns Badax Consulting. It's Carolyn. Yes, Carolyn Zick, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was telling her that I wish I had had the foresight to come up with something as cool as, as that for my company name. But <laughs> did, did <laughs> she share? The... Did Did you share the backstory of her name, of her uh -uh. company's name? Okay, I, I won't spoil it. I will just share an episode with her so you get to know about the backstory. And uh, it's, right. it's, it sounds really very much like badass, but it's not it's not how, what it was named for. So I'll definitely share with you. And about this word, Scarifos, where did you meet this word for the first time? Um, so I it was in 2016. Um And I don't even remember really how I stumbled across it, but I, um, growing up, I always loved writing and I would always like write poems and short stories and stuff like that. And one of the things my grandparents were really big about was like proper grammar and vocabulary mm. and things like that. So I've always been interested in like picking up new words and collecting them and like trying to, trying to use them in new ways. So, um, yeah, I probably did some kind of like thesaurus search or something like that and then like started going through the etymology of some kind of word and was like oh this is you know this word's based on this word from the ancient greek or whatever and so yeah and found it that way but and the fun thing is that it works exactly how you want it to be because when i googled this word uh, first of all i i saw scarifos consulting so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes. like <laughs> you, you made it. Yay. <laughs> on your on your website uh, it says it Luke is an avid gardener who loves discovering new unexpected plants sprouting in his yard. 
does it mean that those plants somehow appear in your garden or do you plant a bunch of seeds and then discover those random plants that made it to the surface? Sometimes it's both of them. So <laughs> I, uh, like if I go for a walk or a jog around the neighborhood, I'll like keep my eye out for native plants and I'll like meant to make a mental note of them. And then after they flowered and gone to seed, I'll like go back and I'll grab some of the seeds and I'll just like sprinkle them in the yard and see what happens. Um, but what I really enjoy is plants and living creatures, things of, yeah, they have absolutely no boundaries and they, you know, we as humans are thinking about like, oh, there's this clear boundary between like inside our house and outside our house. And there's a clear boundary between the grass in my yard and the flowers that are in the garden. Um, but living things do not respect those boundaries. Um, and so I always love digging through the garden, thinking that I'm going to pull out a weed and it turns out that it's actually a sprout of something else that's like from the neighbor's yard or from something else that just ended up in our yard somehow. So it's pretty cool. And what a yeah, go on, go on. Oh, I was going to say mice are the, uh, what, uh, what come to mind right now because right now we're discovering mice in our house because it's winter time and they do not respect boundaries at all. So, <laughs> you know, the fun thing that uh, we've just discovered mice in um, near in our uh, parking and uh, yeah, they do not respect boundaries. They shit everywhere. So <laughs> I totally <laughs> yeah. understand what you're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah. So and that's never fun to yeah pick up a coffee cup and you're like, oh, this coffee cup's clean, but then you find a mouse poo in it. So <laughs> what else do you learn from nature? Oh, that's. I mean, I so I feel like nature for me is um i mean i know that we don't want to talk too much about like community stuff but um nature is like always an inspiration for me when it comes to thinking about community um and like you had asked earlier if i thought about like you know the similarities between raising chickens and raising bees i haven't necessarily made that connection but one of the things that i'm always doing is thinking about how do these interactions between like living creatures reflect the things that we're trying to do in our day-to-day -day work um and i think one of the most interesting things that i take away from nature is that they're always unexpected connections things that you might never it wouldn't necessarily make sense intuitively that something you know works together with another thing like trees and fungus like working together to share nutrients and stuff like that yeah. um it's just so mind-boggling but then you know when i think about that in terms of like community and the reason why i love between two water coolers so much is that like there are so many opportunities to to bring community into any kind of work that anybody's doing and i think like you were saying before we started talking you know like for a community manager, it can feel like anybody could do our job. Um, mm -hmm. And in a way that's true, but nobody can do the job the way that you can. And nobody can help create the connections the way that you can. And your ability 
or kind of your position in the great web of life is um, is going to be unique in some way that your input is valuable, your perspective is valuable, and it's valuable for you to be a part of that community, even if you don't necessarily necessarily intuitive see, intuitively see yourself as connected to that community. Um, like I've got a friend of mine who um, she started serving on the board of a trade association and she's never worked for the industry that this association mm -hmm. is is with she has absolutely no expertise in it whatsoever but this group purposefully brings folks in like that who have maybe no connection to their industry but they mm -hmm. have a very you know unique perspective on something that they want to solve as an organization um, and so they're purposefully seeking out folks who aren't connected obviously to to this network and bringing them in there so um yeah I, that's probably that's i think the the thing that i love most about thinking about nature too is that um you know it ultimately can help you understand or gain perspective on just about anything in your life um so also it doesn't talk back at you when you don't want it to you can just like go out and enjoy it when you want to and you can ignore it when you need to but yeah <laughs> yeah. This is an interesting moment that uh, what you were talking about, different people and their experiences, different people will definitely build different type of connections. And it doesn't mean that bad or good. So it will be just different. And I totally yeah. get it. And ev everyone has a different approach. And, you know, the fun thing that what works in one community won't work in another community. And, you know, I feel like I also get some inspiration from nature because when i feel like overwhelmed with work or i don't know what to do i just go in the park i just see the trees the flowers squirrels and like how they how they you know live etc and i have this feeling that nature is a super complex organism altogether still it seems that it operates super easily and humans on the other hand they're rather simple in general, but it feels like we're always overcomplicating things. Like instead of like saying yes or no, we say, no, nah, I don't know, maybe we'll see. So I feel like sometimes we're just making things harder instead of being our true selves, being our true humans. Have you, have you ever thought about the complexity of human relationships? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, so I, in terms of like my, uh, my experience with that, um, so growing up, um, oh, well, anyway, I, I suppose I should say that I'm gay and I didn't necessarily, um, have the experience growing up where, um, I was supported in being who I was. And so um, this might be getting really deep given the question, <laughs> but uh, so I, you know, I learned from a pretty young age that um, the relationships between people are inherently complicated, like you said, but there are so many layers to it that, um, you know, ultimately we end up taking that upon ourselves and feeling a responsibility to be the person that the other person wants us to be in mm -hmm. the relationship. 
and not necessarily who we are in the relationship. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, why I had a little bit of difficulty talking about my parents earlier is um, primarily because, you know, even as a 36, almost 36 year old person, you know, having been decades removed from that, it's still, you know, it, it's one of those things that's a fundamental core part of my, my personality that, you know, I, having gone through that experience, you know, you can, you can choose to forgive and you can try to forget, but you can't ever really forget something like that. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to revisit when, when you can, but all of that to say that, you know, relationships are, a give and take thing. And I feel like, especially in our industry, we often, we want to take a little bit more from the relationship than we want to give, you know, because we've got all of these expectations on us. And, you know, to your point about humans complicating things, it's like, I mean, I think, yeah, we make things so complicated for each other because either we're uncomfortable with, you know, uncovering certain parts of ourselves or being truthful with ourselves or being truthful with other people. Um, and those are the kinds of things that, you know, we end up building these like walls within our heads. And then, you know, after a while we forget that there are things behind those walls and, um, yeah. And I think, you know, dealing with community on a day-to-day basis is like, you get, you see those kinds of things in people, um, you know, especially in like the folks that I like to call the curmudgeons, you know, they like come at you really hot and you're like, whoa, what did I do? Why are you, why, why are you mad at me about this? And it's like, you know, they're maybe not actually mad at you. You know, they're either angry about the situation or, you know, they just had this horrible thing that happened to them, you know, earlier in the day. And it's like, they just haven't revealed that to you. Um, And so, yeah, anyway, I think, (laughs) Ultimately, I would love to see a world where it's easier for all of us to communicate with each other and to be like actual real humans with each other and just to say like, hey, I'm struggling with something right now and I just need to be able to take some space for myself and, you know, be okay with where I'm at and what I'm doing. And um, yeah, so and that's another reason I love nature is (laughs) that when you go outside and you see those squirrels that all they care about is being a squirrel. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to like sit down and be a human, which can, <laughs> yeah, whatever that means to you. But yeah. So you've talked about forgetting and forgiven. And, um, you know, I don't really, I, I kind of know who my father is or was. I don't even know if you're still alive, but because they got divorced with my mother when I was five or something like that. So basically, I don't know him at all. And uh, while growing up, things were rather good with my mother. But, you know, at some point she thinks that I have to be somebody else, not who I am. And she can't, you know, she used to say this thing that you'll always be a kid. You'll always be a child for me. And I was like, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, yeah, nice. Okay. I'm. It's okay. But now I'm understanding, like, I, 
I can't be always a child for you. I'm I'm a grown up person. You have to deal with me. You know, you, I don't want this kind of like hierarchical re relationships where like, you're better, I'm worse or something like that. And, you know, in general, all okay. But when I start to think about those things, I don't have a good time. So about thinking and forgiving, what makes you revisit these thoughts? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it's usually, I don't know that there's anything that like specifically triggers it. Um, but, well, actually, I guess that's not necessarily true. So, I mean, yeah, quite frankly, I revisit those things when, um, you know, I see like my partner speaking with, you know, with his parents and mm -hmm. the way that he can interact with them and the way that, you know, they, uh, you know, those kinds of things definitely make you think about, you know, the things that you don't have, um, you know, and so, yeah. And then going back to the thing, humans complicating things like that's yeah. probably, I feel like one of those, it, that's like one of those things that makes you feel so horrible when you're like jealous of somebody that you love so much that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm mad at you now. And I don't even want to tell you why. <laughs> it's like, what did I do? You didn't do anything. You were just being a perfectly good human. Stop. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Some time ago, you had some work done on your eye and you yeah. have been forbidden from reading for three days. How did you feel when you weren't allowed to read for whole three days? It was actually really nice. Um, <laughs> I spend a lot of time on my phone, like reading my news app and like doom scrolling essentially. Um, so that was like a great way for like to have a medically mandated reason to just like put my phone down and not use it. Um, so, which I try to be good about anyway, because th that's reasons why I don't use social media or anything like that because it's like as soon as i start it's just like an endless scroll and i yeah so and um but yeah so i actually i had to have my retina worked on so i have a thing where my retinas can detach from mm -hmm. the back of my eyes so he had to shoot it with a laser which was really simple and and easy but yeah he said that the actual movement back and forth, like looking at lines of text can mm -hmm. actually disrupt the, mm. the thing that they did. So I could watch TV. So I watched a lot of movies. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Hung out with the dog, did stuff like that. I, I, I saw that you were not allowed to watch anything, any screens. And I was like, oh my God, how, how can you live without screens? But then, okay, movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah. it explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> You wrote on LinkedIn that you know in your bones who you are and no one can take that from you. Do you know who you are? Oh my gosh, you're going to out me as a liar, Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are things that I definitely know about myself. Um, but... Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if we ever really like 100% know who we are, you know, because I think people are always changing and 
you had talked about that earlier. Like you, when people connect you and you're like, you're, you're creating a relationship with somebody, it changes you a little bit. And so you like learn new things about yourself and learning new things about other people. And yeah. So I guess in some way it's, it's not really possible to know 100%, at least not who you're going to be, but who you're going to be could definitely be different from who you are today. You know, I'm asking you this because I, I think a lot about who I, who am I and I, I, I still don't have this answer. And what I noticed, it's so much easier to tell people about like how I feel about them, how I see them to give some kind of feedback and to ask this feedback from people than think about yourself. It's It's so much easier. And I was like, if... I would write a book about myself. I would ask somebody about uh, to write a book about me because it will be so much easier for them. It would be like super hard for me. So yeah, it's well, and I understand that too because I mean uh, we're uh, that's why people say we are our own worst critics, and usually so much of what we're saying to ourselves in our head is you know whether we don't really like to admit it, but it can often be really negative because we're thinking like, oh, I I didn't do this right or I need to change this about myself or I need to do a better job in this way. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's definitely one of the things, especially over the last year or so that I've been like trying to come to terms with too. And like, yeah, I guess I put that, 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 post out there it made me sound like I know exactly who I am but you know I think a, one of the most productive things we can do as people is to take the time to think about how we're interacting with ourselves in our own heads you know what that voice in our heads how it talks to us and because we have control over that and but often people don't necessarily realize that they don't take the time to to sit down and just like your question to think about what is making me feel this way. What's why, you know, kind of what brings, you know, these certain thoughts back into my head and then thinking about how can we, how can we try to reverse some of those negative thoughts? And yeah. it, it takes a lot of like just sitting there and thinking about it, which in our day and age, people are like, Oh my gosh, you're so lazy. You just sat on the couch all day. I was like, yeah, but I was dealing with some really big emotional things in my head. Okay. And I feel like I had a breakthrough. So it was totally worth it to sit on the couch for six hours. <laughs> how how can even anyone tell you that that you are lazy? That you are sitting on the couch? You know, like it's 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 like it's, it's, it's you never know the backstory. And yeah, I... yeah, you you have Clifton strengths here. So strategic, intellectual, input, relator, learner. How did it change your professional journey when you get these results? Yeah, I think, um, well, first off, shout out to my former boss, Diana Mertz. Um, so I used to work with her at the American Staffing Association. Um, and the leadership team there, uh, they decided to have everybody there do their Clifton strengths. And so each of our teams got together and we each, um, you know, took the, the test or whatever the heck, whatever they call it. Um, and I think the most interesting thing for me was kind of, I mean, it felt affirmational in a way, but it also, you know, when you kind of look at some of the definitions of the different Clifton strengths, um, they just mention 
certain things about aspects of your personality that I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do that, but I didn't necessarily recognize it. Um, and I also didn't necessarily recognize it as a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so I really appreciated the, the kind of spin on, you know, and the, again, thinking positively about, you know, maybe these behaviors that, that I have that are kind of inherent to me somehow or another, I don't know what it is, if it's genes or, you know, getting dropped on my head at a certain point in my life, but, um, you know, that's just how my brain works and, um, and it's okay. And you don't necessarily have to be like, oh, I've got, and they actively encourage you to like ignore the things that are on the end of your mm-hmm. strengths list, like the things at the bottom of the list. They're like, those are things that you shouldn't even worry about. Like, don't don't try to like make yourself better at any of those things. Focus on what you're good at and find your lane in terms of like what it is that that, you know, how it is that you interact with the world and how your brain perceives it. You know, when I was growing up, when I was going to school and to the university, they always taught us that we have to be great in every uh, subject, that we, if we have bad grades for some subjects, like no matter what we have to learn, it kind of means that we're stupid or something like that, that if you are not having like straight A's, you suck. And uh, Clifton strengths, it sounds like it's totally opposite, like focus exactly on your strengths. And I wonder, did you have this approach always like focusing on strengths or, or maybe how did you learn it? That's a good question. I think definitely going through that experience, um, you know, kind of helped me, I guess, understand it more explicitly, but I've always kind of maybe not had a tendency to focus on my own personal strengths, but I always try to see the good in other people. Um, and that comes from uh, growing up as a Catholic kid and going to uh, like participating in all of the youth ministry stuff that I could do, doing volunteering and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my youth minister there, um, her name was Lisa. And she, I think was probably the most influential person for me in terms of like getting getting into that mindset and seeing mm. not just the good in other people but also um their strengths i guess ultimately you know yeah. um doing a lot of that work as a kid we would go to um louisville kentucky and there's a place there called the franciscan shelter Um, I think it's Franciscan Shelter House. I might be getting the name wrong, but um, it's run by a bunch of Franciscan priests. And uh, it's essentially, they um, have a soup kitchen and they do meals, I think once or twice a day for folks in in downtown Louisville. And so every summer we would go down there and we would volunteer. And um, it's really humbling especially, you know, coming from a place where, you know, we didn't have a lot of like homeless folks on the street in my hometown, or, I mean, we definitely weren't like, it wasn't like a rich area or anything like that. But, um, you know, it was really rare for us to see somebody who was suffering actively in terms of like being unhoused and not having a place to go and not having a place to know where they're going to get their next meal. Um, and, You know, when you're kind of going through that experience initially as a kid, it's like easy to be like, 
oh, well, what did these people do to affect their lives to be in this situation? Yeah. Um, and I, I think what, you know, my youth minister and the folks that we worked with at that place were really good about was saying, was helping us realize that, you know, these folks are just in a bad situation. It's not that they've done anything and it's not that they deserve this in any way. Nobody deserves this. Um, you know, it's just that they've gone through some shit and yeah. they need help and you shouldn't ever judge them for their situation. Um, and one of the best ways to do that is to see the strengths in people, see what they're good at, get to know them, develop a relationship with them. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, anybody can find a place um, in the world and it doesn't have to be a situation like that, you know. And that's another thing that makes we make the world so complicated. Like people don't ever need to be in those situations. We could we could do really simple things to make sure that people are taken care of. But it's only when we choose to do that and we choose to make that important that it actually happens. And unfortunately, not enough people think it's important to take care of folks like that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like we can change this, you know, in the community world. And, you know, look, I really wish to have the sky as the limit to our conversation. I still have so many questions, but time is the limit. So let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Okay. Mushrooms or honey? Ooh, mushrooms. Dog or cats? Oh, dog. What are your favorite color and song? Um, my favorite color is green and my favorite song. Oh, do you know the song Vienna by Billy Joel? No, not yet. I will know it very soon. <laughs> <laughs> If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? Ooh, telekinesis. Who do you learn from in the community world? Name just one person. Shannon Emery. Name two people who I should definitely reach out to and have this conversation with. Ooh. Um, Talia Bosma. I met her on Between Two Water Coolers. She's really cool. Um, let me see here. Oh, there's so many folks. Yeah, that's what makes um, it an easiest question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have notes on everybody that I've met so far. Oh, wow. Grace Ling. Got Grace it. Ling is really cool too. And like 110% full of energy. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I need whatever you drink me. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? Um, oh my, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what's the most important thing about me? <laughs> Maybe that's the question. What's the most important thing about me or what's no, I don't know. I don't, I don't you ask such Still. good questions. I don't know. Still, what's the most important thing about you? <laughs> um, I think it's my sense of humor. I try to laugh at as much as I can when I can, which by the way, you inspired me last night to watch some episodes of between two ferns. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. It's amazing. And, yeah. 
It's crazy, it's but it's crazy. amazing. <laughs> it's crazily <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I love it. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope Yuri doesn't roast me like that. But no, it's been great. Do you enjoy movies by Sasha Baron Cohen? Yes. Um, actually, I have on my watch list The Brothers Grimsby, which I don't know how I haven't seen it yet. It came out in 2016. Um, but yeah, I hear that it's pretty over the top. So I want to see it. What about Borat or Dictator? Uh, yeah, Borat. I get really anxious watching Borat because he like puts himself in situations that like, I don't even know how he does it. Like with the Rudy Giuliani thing. I was like, Oh my God, how did he even do that? Like who is Ed anyway? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, oh. you know, to those crazy limits. So everyone has yeah, their own but... craziness limits. So <laughs> yeah, his is definitely up, up there. <laughs> up there. You know, look, I, The moment I met you at Between Two Workers, I thought that, okay, we definitely have to talk because I really like your positive energy. I love your approach. I love your consistency that you are still going there from time, uh, almost all, all the time. I, I feel like I don't even know how many times in a row you went there. And I, I really like your sense of humor, exactly what you've told. And uh, I just, you know, your energy is just my, my type of energy. So, and this conversation allowed me to get to know you just a little bit. I still have so many questions, so we'll definitely go for episode two at one day. So get ready for that. And yeah, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, looking forward to it. I, so yeah, I've been hoping, I've been attending between two water coolers, just hoping that you will end up like asking me to stay in the main room. Like yeah. it's my goal to hear that name. Like Luke, stay in the, don't hit, don't hit join. <laughs> <laughs> it's random it's total random you know and uh yeah it's serendipity of <laughs> those things and yeah so we'll definitely have a second episode i still have many many questions to ask you and i feel like we will definitely meet more in between tour course so yeah thank you very much and see you in the community world